friends welcome back to the film alchemist podcast the show where we look at movies we love break them apart to find out what gives them their magic i'm your host josh griffey joined tonight on this very special podcast uh sojourn that we uh embark on every october by my friend co-host ghostface teenager garage door user I knew you were going to bring up the garage door. Alex Dandino. It's one of the all-time greatest kills in cinema history. Truly one of the greatest. Guys, now you might uh, be aware we started our horror movie extravaganza, our October bonanza, a bit early, right, with Candyman. Last week, you should have had all of the Candyman available to you. Uh, We hope you love that. I fucking adore Candyman. So good. So we decided, hey, what the hell, the way the schedule's lining, let's get it kicked off a week early. Um, this month, if you go to our letterbox, we have a letterbox list, Film Alchemist podcast list. You can see all the movies coming. We have a movie every single every day, day this month in October. It is going to be spectacular. Uh, so I can't wait to get, get it kicked off. We started, of course, with what I think is one of the great horror movie series in movie history, uh, Scream. Right? Yes. So Scream came out. We were in a dark place then. We were on, uh, you know, the eighth, ninth installment of every franchise. Very little good new horror movie coming out at the time. There was a real window of opportunity. And in comes Wes Craven. And he creates he creates a movie that at once pays homage to, totally dissects and smacks down, and yet becomes the very thing that he is a master of and loves, a great slasher horror film. Alex, yeah. Yeah. what do you love about Scream? You know, I think it takes... Kevin Williamson wrote this movie. I think it takes yes, a did. true artist to be able to meta a movie of yourself, essentially. Because mm-hmm. this movie is a pure meta meditation about the horror movie genre up to that point it came out in 1996 so it's about the slasher film which wes craven essentially invented uh no well uh, are you saying last house on the left maybe i mean i'm saying i'm not saying he invented the slasher film because that's obviously peeping tom we've watched these a lot <laughs> yeah but, a lot of people halloween is there there was some integral but movies to me in but period. to me i think wes craven makes the slasher film particularly like last house on the left Wes Craven makes the slasher film unique and it makes him it, he's a master of what he does. So to come into a movie that's essentially a meditation on all the movies he had made and all the movies other people in the genre had made to that point and look back and say, I'm going to make a movie. This is straight. I'm going to make a movie straight about this subject and still make it fucking terrifying and gro- and gross and bloody without being too slapsticky. That is, that's a tightrope walk that he did blindfolded and with one leg. And it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I think if I've ever had an umbrage with the Scream series, it's that it's not scary. I don't, I don't find the movies scary to me in that way. It's much more, it's much more a mystery thriller than it is really a horror. The thing I hate is I hate people that say that. They use it's not scary enough as a critique against a horror movie. And that's that's not how I felt. I think it's such a fun game. 
Yes. Right? It, it pleases the game with this horror genre. But again, I was watching it with Amy, and she she gasped like three times. Like, <gasps> like it really got her a couple times. I think it's hard, too, because I've seen this movie so many times, and it's so ingrained in my mind. Because, again, it's so it's so insanely clever to me, right? Yeah. It's just one of those that were – and watching it again this time, I just can't believe – how beautifully they nagged us into this movie, right? Oh, yeah. It is there the entire time, staring us in the fucking face, scene after scene after scene, exactly what's happening. And because they do this great trick where it's a meta film, so you're waiting for it can't be exactly what it looks like. Right. I know they're going to out-clever themselves. And uh, as Jamie Kennedy's character says, he's like, the, the beauty is in the simplicity. And this movie does that so yeah. insanely well. I mean, I think that's what's great about this movie is it doesn't, it not taking itself seriously as a horror film and it much more focusing on really like the Agatha Christie of it all. And that's really like for the series in general, that's what really makes it fascinating. That's what really makes it fun to watch. Because again, as you start watching, as we've like, we're watching these movies, but that's, that's what I take away from it all the time is that even though I know what's coming, I'm still just like, Oh, what a great reveal. Oh, this is like the best part. Like I always love the endings of these movies, particularly because you get these like big, long drawn out explanations of like why the character, like the motivation of the killers is always so entertaining. And like in any yes. other hands, this would be a dog shit ending to a movie because literally it's like, guess what I did? And you're like, God damn it. Like, can't we just get on with this? But because it's Wes Craven and because Kevin Williamson writes the script and because it's these actors and it's because of these performances, it's why it's a, not just tolerable, but fucking entertaining beyond all belief. Right. Cause this movie has the extra, right? Cause I think Sydney even says it. Like, I don't watch those shit movies. Yeah. It's just women with big tits that can't act uh, getting butchered in this movie in a way does that. But it has this whole extra layer of intrigue. I think what is the greatest thing the movie does is it populates the world with great characters. Right. Oh, yeah. But we got to start with this is one of the great horror movie openings. It might, you know, to me, it's easily top three for me, like top three. See, I don't know. Far. I think it gets knocked down a little bit because it essentially just does a a less good version of when a stranger calls, right? That's sure. the that to me might be the very best opening of a horror movie. I mean, to me, this this is the thing that I love the most about the opening to Scream is that it takes from when a stranger calls, mm -hmm. but it also takes from Psycho. In that you cast a highly popular, highly visible actress, yes. and you fucking kill her off in the first 15 minutes of the movie. This is a thing that Alfred Hitchcock did that fucking shocked everyone when they did Psycho. And it's even more, I think, astounding in this movie because you're just like, oh my god. Like, not only did yeah. they fucking kill her, she, like, Drew Barrymore is butchered at the beginning of this movie. Like, yeah, and they don't give her any character, right? No, not she, at all. She She's becomes the faceless slate. girl. But that's yeah, it, it's it's it was an amazingly ballsy choice, and I love that Drew Barrymore did it, right? Yeah, totally. But what I what I would say is this is the part of the film where it's this is when it's still playing as a normal slasher movie, 
And it's right. really the, the scare and the, the tension of this scene is really good. Right. And yeah. what I like is it sets up so many of the fun things in the series. Right. So we get the ghost face call. And he's kind of running her through. And there's just that that fucking turn. Right. So it kind of starts off as this creepy call, calling, calling, you know, joking around. Yeah, I just like, stop answering the phone. And all of a sudden there's just a line like, I'll cut you like a fucking fresh. And as an audience member, you just go, oh, fuck. Like, what is happening? And then it starts snowballing, right? It it starts get. it's really going for it after that. Well, I mean, it's, again, I would say it starts even earlier than that. Like, that is where it, like, totally turns. The best part, though, is the subtle, well, I just want to know who I'm looking at. Like, that's the kind of shit. Oh, yeah, that is a great moment. Because it's one of those, again, man, we were watching it the other night. And this is, like, the thing that I love about it. It's, like, even now... That beat, because it's still said in that tone of voice. And it's not just the talk box. It's like literally like the name. It's the, I just want to know who I'm looking at. The hairs on the back of my neck still stand up. Like it's, it's so good, man. It's just so, yeah. it's so terrifying and so gripping almost immediately. Yeah. And this is where we start, uh, we start that. We start the, uh, I'd like to play a game, right? Saul kind of took that and ran with it. Yeah. Um. What I love about that scene, too, is as they're doing the trivia, he actually it's it very much reminded me of modern day social media. Right. Everyone's out to be like, gotcha. You're not a real horror fan. And they do the Jason Voorhees question. And he goes, you would know that Jason's mom was the killer. And the fr- Jason didn't appear until part two. And I'm like, no, you're fucking wrong. Who jumped out of the lake at the end of the first one? You fucking piece of shit. And I was like, I don't care if it's a dream or not. That's how would she know Jason's a zombie? That's real. I was like, fuck you, now kill yourself. You know, you're like you're getting all riled up. But this is where that boyfriend murder is horrific. Oh, dude. Right? That, that was And disgusting. so we're setting a tone now. We're setting a tone. There's there's a moment in this opening too that had never really clicked with me until tonight. The way that Drew Barrymore is killed is extra horrific to me, right? Because when he she's chased down. Ghostface grabs her from behind, right? He reaches around with the knife, and it's not a wild stab in the back. It's nothing. He kind of comes around in front of her, and it it goes to a little slow-mo, but it looks like he's really trying to aim, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't some stone-cold, bloody, like, master murderer like a lot. Like, Jason Voorhees would have taken her out minutes ago, right? There's something very human and off about this, right? That I found to be real. That moment when he kind of is trying to aim it at the heart and gets the shoulder is really good. And then there's the strangulation. The part that is soul crushing, though, is the parents actually are home. Oh, yeah. And Drew Barrymore seeing her parents go in the house. Unbelievable. It's and the unmasking that that was a fun thing I had forgotten they did, too. Yeah, I forgot that as well. And it was one of those like great like. Now that I've seen it, I know who it is. I'm like, oh, fuck. That is probably infinitely worse. Like, Right. The first time I watched it, I didn't really register it. And it's weird. It took me a lot of viewings to like be like, oh, fuck. She's totally like seeing Billy right now and be like, oh, wow. That is just troubling and terrifying all at once. Or Stu. Or, or Stu. Or Stu. It could have been Stu, yeah. Because that was his ex-girlfriend. I like that, too, that um, they God know the Stu. boyfriend's name. Yeah. Drew Barrymore does the, uh, how'd you know his name? And again, it's just a 
ding. It's some. It's a high school kid, right? Right. There are so many moments like this where they are trying so hard uh, to tell us exactly who did it, right? Because we cut from there, right? There's a scene uh, a little bit down the road where they're all kind of sitting outside of school talking about what happened. Right. And Stu essentially does that. They're like, well, how would you? Oh, I forgot. We just totally brushed over that Drew Barrymore's parents then come out. And find her hung and gutted with her intestines. So gross. Hanging out. Ah, it's such a oh gnarly scene. And also, this happens before but the we actual cut to, credits we cut of the to movie. the point. Yes, 15 minutes in, then we do the credit. <laughs> but we cut to the school, and they're like, how would you even do that? Stu just fucking says it. And Skeet Ulrich sits up, and he's like, hey, man, be cool. Billy's like, be cool, dude. And they do that like three times in that scene where he's like, I didn't kill anyone. No one said you did. You're like, oh, my God. Like, having seen it, the red flag. I mean, first up, the moment you see Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that kid. That kid did it. Obviously. That kid always is going to do it. That kid always does it. Listen, but that's because the Because this movie. That's the fucking mean like, guy from The Craft. It's too obvious. He definitely did it. Yeah, exactly. You're like, it's too obvious that every guy that looks like that is up to no good. Isn't it so That bad? you just can't fathom it. You can't fathom it, right? You're like, there's no way that they're going to let it be that. But it's and that's like, the brilliant part of the movie. That, yeah, that's the really, really, really they great They get moment. us to start out thinking ourselves because all we're doing is spending the whole movie thinking about how tropes are used in horror movies. Right. And they weaponize it against us. Well, yeah, the entire movie, like particularly Skeet Ulrich's character is like the best example of this is you're watching him and he's the boyfriend for Sydney. You're like, well, boyfriends don't do that kind of stuff. But your entire time, your instinct is being like, it's definitely that guy. Like, without question, it's this creep. Like, it's Yeah, the guy who just shows up at Nev Campbell's window and just startles her. Yeah. Like, they don't have a system to, like, hey, maybe don't think me you're, you're like, a fucking home invader. Yeah. Right? Throw a little rock, Shakespearean, something like that. Even Clarissa's friend Sam had a- She can call uh, the police back then. Yeah. I know it was the 90s, but AOL Messenger was around. Just like, hey, hey, even 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 Clarissa's friend Sam had a, (laughs) hey, I'm coming up type thing. So- it's bullshit. Ooh, good '90s callback. There you go. <laughs> ran that wheel. Ran that wheelhouse. That's some. That's some snick knowledge for you. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking snick. <laughs> I did not think that was coming tonight. I like that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, but that is like again, he, the red flags that go up the entire movie. You're like, how did I not like again watching it again? I was just like, how did I not notice this like the first time I watched it? Because I'm not looking for I remember for it. being truly caught off guard the first time. Yeah, totally. Me too. And you could say they, they do like classic horror movie cheating where we see Billy get stabbed. We see Stu seemingly bloody. And then they both come back like, ha ha. But you're like, it works. It works because it's they're fine. setting up the ruse. And right? again, that's like the whole point of this movie, though, is the ruse and is the meta of it all. Yes. Like, the reason you're kind of willing to let the horror cheat go, in my opinion, is a lot of the time because this movie itself is a cheat. It's literally a yeah, movie. And, and let me say this. I don't want to say it's a cheat. What I think is that it's two guys that are really bad at playing. <laughs> because the yes. one thing I noticed for sure is that's like their ruse at the end doesn't work if they're covered in corn syrup no if they're covered in red corn syrup right like when they get examined for their knife wounds and the doctor's like oh they have one knife wound in a non-lethal area and then a lot of other slashes with red corn syrup 
Yeah, I mean, that's obviously that's good, the... Uh, again, yeah, these kids obviously haven't look. thought it through. They're not great criminals. Yeah, and then like, even, like, Sidney's dad, they're like, ah, oh, we're going to get his bitch ass. I'm like, stop touching all the evidence. Well, how they great still is have this? So like, many, it doesn't matter. Throw all that it, out. <laughs> but it's funny you bring that up because I was thinking about this when we were watching. I was like, you know what's great? Like, Stu and... Uh, Billy and Stu are great um, killers, they are horrible criminals, like miserably yeah, bad criminals. But it, it, it works because they but are high school so well Because they're high school kids. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's not a horror movie cheat. It's no. them overthinking their fucking plan. But, and even still. And it still, works really well. But it even and then on a meta level, it's us overthinking for them. And you're like, why am I even putting this kind of thing out there? Because then we have to yeah. retreat and go, well... Yeah, they are high school kids. They're fucking idiots. Like, well, I was because idiot once they school. kill Ski Ulrich, you're like, there's no possible way it's anyone else. Who's left at that house party right now? It's not Dewey. You're right. Oh They're not going to Kaiser Sose us like scary movie. Did. <laughs> it's Doofy, right? Doofy. But it's, uh, <laughs> where Doofy starts walking straight and he gets his cool hair. Yeah. Gets in his muscle. <laughs> when I wear this badge, man says you're supposed to protect, treat me like I'm a man of the law. God. David Arquette. Oh. This movie has so many good characters in it. Uh, I think we need to talk about Sid. Is that she kind of became this new she magnum new, opus of Final she Girl. She became the new Scream Queen, the new Final Girl, yeah. Yeah. And I... It's, it's funny because at the start of the movie, I didn't see it coming, right? She was very... I mean, me and all my friends had Nev Campbell crushes in the 90s. Sure. I party of five. I love Sid Prescott in the Scream series so much. I think she rivals any of the final girls, save Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. Sure. That's like that's the only other one I think is even in the pantheon of Sidney Prescott, and that I think in and of itself is a really kind of fun thing the movie does is that you're making the the meta dissection movie, and your final girl becomes one of the all-time final girls right on her own right not in an ironic way she really is just a great character that we all fall in love with i think that that is the extra magic that this movie had yeah i mean i think that again this movie lives on the strength of its cast like everybody in this movie is perfect i I, I got to give it up, man. I love Cotton Weary. I think he's just like like the one, the one of the all-time great like rando characters that just pops up well, in movies. Let's not talk too much about him, but I think we'll get to I it. think on some level they had to know cuz getting Liev Schreiber to do Cotton Weary in just a TV cutaway? Yeah. Is a really baller move. Well, I think <laughs> Kevin Williams said, here's my thought. I bet Kevin Williams and Wes Craven said, hey, we really want to do these movies. We think you'd be great, because we, but we need you for the other two. So yeah. can you just do this for us? <laughs> we'll give you your SAG minimum, and then we'll, we'll, we'll cast you. You have a much bigger role in the next two. Like, that Come to on, me, you need some days for your insurance. Come on. <laughs> but that to me is like, again, like, Liev Schreiber, what an amazing, like, yeah, great cast, great casting bit. And again, he's not in the movie at all other than, like, you know, the TV cutaway. But then you have, oh, God, like, Rose McGowan, who, again, this is before Rose McGowan was what Rose McGowan is now. But she is one of the all-time, one of my all-time favorite, like, shitty best friends. 
like she's just perfectly cast as like the worst best friend of all time. And then See, yeah. I, I like her in this movie. It's yeah, this Oh no, is, I like her. I just think I mean but this is the as thing, a character, it, she's a terrible it tells best you a friend. lot about where Rose is now is that this was kind of the role she was relegated to. Yeah. Right? And so I think there's a little extra of that. You see the boiling rage, like, hey man, I don't want to be the um my nipples show through my shirt character forever. Right. Right. And I think you see some of that. And I think, I think she adds an extra fire to it. She was really good back in that era. No, she was great. I, I liked her in a lot of movies. Rose back McGowan, then. Um, Rose McGowan in the nineties, like when she was like jawbreaker and some other movies, like she was, she's always been very oh, good. Jawbreaker, yeah. But, and then like between that, I, I know that it's not, I, I love Jamie Kennedy's great because Jamie Kennedy's like you and me. Like we're watching this movie just seeing Jamie Kennedy and being like, "Cool, great. There's one of us in this." Well, dude, they they took the Kevin Smith page. Yeah. Where it's so now if you're a horror movie fan, you're getting these kind of clerks asides. Uh-huh. Right? Where we're dissecting. He's talking about movies like Prom Night and all these other horror movies I like uh to explain away <laughs> what we're seeing. And it that's just that's just fun, right? And it's it's one of those things like most screenwriting books would be like, don't ever do that. Don't oh, yeah. pull them out. It's pull perfect, the curtain back. But it's also it's just it's fun. Perfect deception. It's fun like, it's, for fans. It's fun because not only it's it's fun because Jamie Kennedy's a an entertaining character, but also it's yeah. smart because pulling people out of the movie in that way because compl- here's my thing. The first time I watched it, when I was pulled out and watched that part, I'm like, oh, cool, like. Now we're like just talking about the meta of it all. What was great was mm-hmm. you forget and completely lose track of the Stu and Billy thing that is like clearly obvious. And I think if you had like kept it in there and you, <laughs> if you had not put that in there and not like brought attention to it, it's like, um, I, I don't know. I don't know the analogy actually off the top of my head, but basically if you, it's like a, it's a misdirection. If you're going to show someone yeah. the trick, it's the prestige. Like now we're in the second part. That's what it is. I was thinking about like, we're not to the prestige yet. So that's the part we're thinking of. We're at the misdirection moment. Well, yeah. Jamie Kennedy even says, right? Like there, there's that great moment in the video store when he's like, you know, that guy's the kill. I think la- later he even refers to Billy as Leatherface. Like what's Leatherface doing here? <laughs> right. He talks about how Sydney's dad is the red herring. Yeah. Right. He's like, that guy's just going to pop up in the third act. He's literally, they, they always are telling us exactly what's happening. And yeah. we still can't get it out of our heads that they're setting us up for the trick. Right. It's, it's really amazing. One of the visual things I saw this time watching that was really funny to me is every time we see a murder, right? Right before, or right after we see the character who is the killer leaving in the direction of the place where they'll die. Right. So there's that great scene when uh they're like, Hey, we get a day off school because of murders. Let's have a house party. Right. Right. And Stu's all excited. He's walking them out. We see him head back towards the school. The very next cut is inside of Winkler's office where Winkler has the mask on. You're like, they're telling us right there that visual language. Stu is moving towards Stu's the high school student. We see last moving towards that building. Right, they do it again with Billy uh, after the garage door opener. Right, yeah. Stu and uh, Stu and uh, Nev Campbell are going to the front door. Sydney are going to the front door. They open it. Here comes Billy in a black jacket, running from where the garage is, <laughs> and it's like they're constantly 
constantly telling us visually with these two characters coming in and out of moments what's happening. Right. Why do you think... And it's think... just like, it's all right. It's so fucking clever. Right. But why do you think we weren't all just sitting there... Like, this is the thing that I love about the movie, and this is what is so clever to me, is why am I not so drawn to that immediately? Because that's the kind of stuff in movies where I'm like, okay, obviously it's those two. Is there, like, I, I watched it this time trying to figure out why I wasn't, when the first time I saw this, just immediately like, obviously it's those two idiots. And I was trying to, I, again, I, if I, I'm I not mistaken, the character that I thought it was the first time is I was convinced it was going to be Dewey. Right. I, I thought this was going to be the Dewey turnaround because he had a crush on Gale. Right. And there's that scene when he comes in and like, you know, he's in big brother mode and uh, Nev Campbell's laying on the bed. Sid's laying on the bed and like the shirt. Her legs are kind of out. I was like, oh, he's got a crush on her. Right. So there's something that with Dewey, right? I'm like, that's going to be the gotcha. Because you see Stu and you're like, he's the big goofball. Like, he's definitely going to die. Like, that's not going to be it. Right. Later, you're kind of like, all right, that's questionable. I did think the big fat cameraman was an option. Uh, Kenny, because of how <laughs> Gail was talking to him all the time, just being real turd. And when he's like, oh, no, there's a 30-second delay, I was like, that's suspect as fuck. You know what, But that's what the movie does. The you know, movie constantly that leaves us these little breadcrumbs for every character. Henry Winkler threatens to gut a student, and then we see him in the mask, right? So right. for a minute, you're like, maybe Winkler. Right. Sydney's dad, she gets brought into the police station after being attacked. He's not at the hotel. Hmm, that's weird. Maybe Cotton Weary got out of jail, right? Like, you have all these crumbs for right. every character. There's at least a moment where there's something that doesn't add up. Right. And again, this movie is telling us we're telling you exactly what's happening. Look at how clever we are. So we assume well, like everybody, that, that big twist. Coming. Yeah. Everybody's a suspect. They say it in the movie. Everyone's a suspect. Yeah. And it's they're yeah. right. Like we spend the entire movie trying to guess who it's going to be. You know, it's funny. The guy who plays her uh, original Gail's original cameraman. The thing I know him best from is the TV movie biopic about the life of meatloaf. And that's the first thing I always visualize when I <laughs> in see Deadwood him too, in movies, yeah. is him being Meatloaf. I <laughs> used to actually go trick-or-treating at that guy's house with my kid. Oh, really? He always projected, like, Nightmare Before Christmas on his house and was really into it. Oh, nice. But I always would see him and be like, Big Fat Kitty. But I never would say that. That's really rude. <laughs> that's how I knew him <laughs> as a kid. Because Scream was the iconic movie right. in my life. But, yeah, so I think that's what is really interesting. But – but that's the thing, like that scene, right? I watched it today and I was like, how did I not see Stu and Billy, right? You see them talking about gutting students. You're like, that is so obvious. It's in our face. It's gobsmacking us. Right. But Stu leaving to go back to the school, you're like, that's a hard, because you could just imagine he's running off cheering about, I might get laid tonight. But when you watch it with the, the context of who these guys are, you start to see them move through the frames differently. Yeah, totally. And so I think that that's an extra, like, they knew what's coming, so they did the groundwork. So at the end, we're not all going, bullshit. Right. They, it's in there. It is absolutely in there. Right. The other fun thing about the double reveal, because the question, you know, I think at the end is like, why is Stu brought into this? <laughs> Billy obviously gives his half-ass motive. And they even say, like, we're not into motives anymore. Jamie Kennedy says that's out. It's scarier if they don't have motives. Yeah. And so 
I wonder if there was a contingent of people that were, oh, that's so weak, blah, blah, blah. But I love it because it explains away the hardest things in slasher films. Absolutely. They're like, why can't you outrun these guys? How do they have all the time to destroy all the cars and blah, yeah. blah, blah? It's the best part. <laughs> I was about- just like a double killer. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's the best part about the movie in general is that you get to like, again, it's just like this great, like end of third act soliloquy. A lot of the, like, and this is like, they do it in every scream movie and it's still my favorite part. Like my favorite one is, is definitely scream Two. but billions too, given their whole like TV made me do it thing is so much fun. Like that's like the thing I love the most about those characters. Right. Well, he does the TV doesn't make us killers. It makes us more creative. Right. Right. That's, but that's a good line. It, that's and that's great. And again, like the thing that I love the most about particularly this scream and their third act reveal is that because by the, by the time they did scream two, scream three and the last scream, like they didn't need to do that anymore. They were literally just able to continue. They were literally able to just like make it a slasher movie this time though. The first one around, they did such a good job of meta narrative explaining what it was that made this movie unique. So they tell us in the movie itself what it is about the ending the here that's going to be unique and it's going to be interesting and what it is about ourselves as viewers that we're watching it and willing to accept that. So if we're going to sit there and say like, oh yeah, TV and movies have made kids more fucked up but also more interesting in a way like that's what these characters are telling us is like hey i've watched all these movies i've watched all this tv and what do i have to show for it like it's the ultimate 90s proliferation which again is one of my all-time favorite like beats in a movie is someone literally saying like i got nothing else to do but jerk off and watch tv so why wouldn't i be a serial killer that to me i love movie characters talking about their takes on movies that always works for me that was something that was very 90s independent Absolutely. I love that shit, right? But I think, too, because they do give Billy the the emotional reason to get into it. Yeah. And, but again, it's... it's like it doesn't really matter that much, but it is it is fun, right? That's um, great. I think another another one of the more iconic things in the movie are the three rules, yeah. right? Yeah. Which I would argue there's probably a little more, but they it's a good broad list. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the rule one of surviving a horror movie, you can never have sex, right? The virgin armor. Which is weird because as this is happening, we see Sydney losing the virgin armor again, which again sets us up for we all know what's going to happen else is going on here. Again, another theory I had the first time I watched it is that Sid was going to be the killer. Yeah, I, I didn't I never, I never thought that, but because when she it. got attacked in her house and no one was there to see it. Right, right. And when Sid had sex, I was like, that means she has to die unless she's the one dealing out death. But any, I mean, it's a really cool moment. They, you know, then it's don't do drugs and drink, which we're seeing every character do. Right. And then never say, I'll be right back. Right. Which we then see Matthew Lillard do. And Jamie Kennedy yells at him. All right, you're dead. I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife, which is how he fucking does. Again, the movie is always telling us. Always telling us. I think the great feat is that every time we get there, it's still feels fresh and exciting it does i cannot think of one other movie that tells you every single beat that's happening as it happens yeah and it is still fresh and exciting it, it is the great trick of the film it is i think that matthew lillard also is the mvp of this movie like he totally steals the movie anytime he's in a scene i'm just fucking drawn to him 
but particularly ending like Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> like, yeah, Billy gives his fucking your mom's a whore and she fucked my dad. And that's why my parents broke up confession thing. But Matthew Lillard's <laughs> Matthew Lillard devolves from like, oh, yeah, I'm totally in on this to my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me like that. Come on, Who, man. How good is that, though? Because, oh. again, one of the things in the movie to me is like it's not necessarily so scary all the time. It has some good horror moments. But one of the things that really jumps out at you watching this is how bad the fight, like murder choreography is. It's terrible. And you're like, okay, but these are these are kids. These are right? kids. And even the fighting moves, they do these really funny cutaways with Lillard's character at the end when he's bloody and attacking Sid, where it's just a stuntman in the worst Matthew Lillard wig. And it just, it almost plays as this soap opera meta. It's very strange how it works. And it, it actually, like, the kind of flaws of it add to the movie a lot. Right. And But what they do so well is, again, this is a high school kid. Like, none of these kids look like they're in high school, first off. Like, he's like, when, like, her and uh, Billy start going at it, you're like, that is not what high school sex is about to look like. That is not <laughs> how that goes down, right? Also, it lasts way longer than it lasts way longer than high school sex does. Yeah, right. High school sex is not that glorious. High school sex sadly. is fifteen <laughs> seconds of grunting and twenty minutes of just disappointment and shame. It's exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but him being revolving back to this, we prefer psychopaths, right? He's like this madman, and then he devolves back into just this kid. The line that kills me is like. Sid, did you really call the cops? And she's like, yes. my mom and dad are going to be so fucking pissed at me. And I was I like, you, I love that line. I tell you why. Also, so much. Because it's the look on his face when he picks up the phone. Hello? <laughs> it's it's right back. It's just a high school kid. He has no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's yes, it's amazing. He is the fucking MVP that what's takes also me cool the about this, though. One of the rumors going around is that they're really trying to get uh, Matthew Lillard to revive Stu in Scream 5. Oh, God, yes. That they're still – we never actually saw Stu bite it. So there's a chance that he could partake I'm gonna tell in you, Scream I, 5. I'm going to tell you right now, and I, there's some people out there who know this, but I am an unabashed Matthew Lillard fan. I think that guy is amazing in everything. He's – Yes. All, he – Every movie he's in, he's he's memorable and awesome, and he's been in a lot of weird movies, particularly yeah. with Freddie Prince Jr. And all of them are awesome, <laughs> simply because he is in them. We will get to the we will yeah, get no, to the BFF I, trilogy I love, one day, but he's Stu. so good. I love Stu. Honestly, my I think my favorite character though is still Dewey. Right? Like <laughs> I put Sid out of the list because she's so good. Like Scream right, yeah. does not work without Sid, so she's the queen. Put her aside. My favorite other character, though, is Dewey, because I think that the guy who just so desperately wants to be respected <laughs> by the law, while he's a pretty bad lawman, we see like, he's just right. not very good at his job. <laughs> Poor Dewey. I, I think some of the scenes with like when he, Sid gets the call that uh, clears the name, right? When Ghostface calls uh, Dewey's house, and Dewey comes down in his underwear with his gun and they just like all leave him in the room like you useless fuck. And he goes to the phone. And he kind of clears his face and he goes, hello. Like he's trying to do like a tough guy Western thing. I was like, that's such a great understanding of what that guy is in this world. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> such a great archetype of what they're supposed to be. And 
Oh yeah. Yeah, David Ar- David Arquette just nails this on a regular basis. Oh. Like not only that, but he's like the throughout best. the series. He's just so good, dude. Oh my god, man. <laughs> David Ar- yeah, Dewey and, is And yeah, honestly, I I think you got to give big props to Gail Weathers cuz she's a fun X factor. Cuz she's another character who's simply here to muddy the water. Yeah. And she does it in exceptional fashion. Yeah. She's again, she's such a great like it's interesting. Like I, I worked on a documentary where we interviewed a lot of uh, tabloid tabloid news people, and that is pretty much how they all are. Like they're all that way. They've never not been that way, and that's just how they get the story. You know, like that's like the best part about Gail Weathers is she's the hard copy current affair reporter who won't quit <laughs> and who absolutely should because yeah. she's pure garbage. Yeah, I I loved uh, I loved her in this too because she's the one who introduces. While she is a scummy character right away, right when she's just like, when I say hurry, that means get your fucking fat tub of lard ass. Like she's just you're like, all right, I don't like her, and Sid punches her right away. Right, I get it. But when she starts kind of figuring it out, right, there's that great moment where Sid has a little doubt. Right, Cotton Weary, we find out Cotton Weary killed her mother. Her mother was horrifically uh, assaulted and murdered one year prior, almost a year. And that Sid saw this man leaving, right? And this is the really fun where, again, the movie's like, don't be so sure anything you've seen. Don't settle in on anything. Because Gail's just like, you think you saw him leave, right? Right. And she's defending the honor of her mom, and there's some things going around. But that scene is great because we see Sid worried, Right. And it's really good the way Nev plays it. Just this kind of subtle, like, oh, my God, what have I done? She just like sent Billy to jail. Right. Right. And is unsure about that. Even though he had a cell phone in his pocket, blah, blah, blah. But then Gail turns around and this is the Gail scene that I love when she just goes, oh, my God. She's like, the murders are linked and a killer's on a loose and an innocent man in jail. I could save a life. And Kenny's like, oh, yeah, like he's all excited. She grabs his like chunky face. It was like, do you know what this will do for my book sales? <laughs> and I was like, perfect. That perfect. is. Because for a second, you're like, is she this crusader? Oh, no, she's not. No, she's, she's not a, a piece crusader of for truth. Yeah. <laughs> she's here to get an extra, like, kitchen on her house. <laughs> 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 this fucking blood money. <laughs> she's. Oh, I love it. it. Yeah. And Courtney Cox does it just to such, like, devastating effect every time. Like, yeah. she's so. Well, she's so she's just so well cast as like the person who's always out for themselves. Like even in the other movies, she's like that into a certain respect, but like, she's so good in this because again, she's just like, she literally does not care about anybody else but herself. And it's almost aggravating to a point, but then you're like, Oh, if it was any other way though, I would like kind of, but she is the closest thing the audience has to our point of view. Totally. We are also coming into these places all the time We're to just absolutely. enjoy the, the spoils of carnage and horror, right? We're That's what all, horror movie fans Well, yeah, do. and like I mean again, we're all <laughs> meet we're all news and horror junkies and that's what we do. We wait for the next that's what makes the headlines, you know? Tragedy that's, porn. Yeah. Tragedy it's porn. Sad, but that's what a lot of horror I th- I think it's just this movie just has so many layers of interesting uh material on it. If you had to pick what are what's your most memorable like favorite one or two scenes that you absolutely adore? Uh, the big reveal at the end. 
the stew and Billy at the end, and then uh, we haven't brought it up. We brought it up briefly, but Rose McGowan's kill is just like that's so. That's the exact two for me because the Drew Barrymore opening is great, but but for me, we all know it's, it's when Billy and Stu start stabbing each other. Yeah, that's when the that is the most truly on, scary baby. moment in the movie. Because again, they're kind of playing at it, and it all feels very meta and this and that you're kind of always a step removed from any violence or horror in the movie i feel like but in right. that moment when they both stab each other and they just that give me the knife give me the, give me the, give me the fucking knife give it give it come on and you can see that now they're turning on each other and the way uh billy just goes back and i think he stabs him like fucking five six more times and Stu doesn't turn on him you're like this is so fucking extra yeah it really is a very scary moment. It's a it's, it's a terrifying. great great. It's moment. probably the first and time it just revolves into the oh you I'm getting woozy but like get a little woozy. Yeah, it like he stabs the the psycho out of him. It's really yeah. great. Like that moment is great. The Rose McGowan scene is funny because again, this is like one of the bad choreography scenes. Like Ghostface is chasing her and gets hit with a freezer door which weighs six ounces. He's like whoop like. You know, they might as well have had the Jurassic Park slide whistle. Yeah, that was right? say, it's a slide like, whistle moment. He gets hit in the nuts with some beer, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a little funny, but that garage door kill, I think everyone in, who ever saw that movie went, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that can happen? Yeah, everyone absolutely. had that reaction. It's such a good horror movie kill. The other thing about the Rose McGowan garage scene that I really like, this is our very first obvious indication that this is two people yeah right because she goes in to get the beer we see the door slowly close and lock the garage doors are closed and then from behind someone kicks some of the sporting material or whatever over and that's what alerts her that Ghostface is in the garage with her so that is again another context clue that was clearly there hey this is more than one person yeah so that that scene again it has some of the the kind of corniness of Ghostface, but it works so well. It's perfect. That it's totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's absolutely, it's, it's my favorite kill in the movie by far because it's just, again, it's, yeah, it's one of those things when I saw it and I was like, does that actually happen? Cause like all the, cause again, the, all the garage doors, my entire life that I lived with, all had those sensors where like they'd stop moving and they'd go back up. I'm like, holy fuck, this one doesn't have yeah. that. Oh my god! Well, I always thought too. I was like, "How strong is a garage door?" I was like, "I could fucking beat up a garage door." And you're like, "Oh wait, that shit is heavy and it's machine." <laughs> I remember as a kid being like, "Yeah, right." But now I'm like scared. Like I have kids now, and when they run in and out, like every time I close the garage, I'm like, "Make sure they're nowhere near it." <laughs> I don't want to reverse Rose McGowan situation. Right. All right. <laughs> I I want to point this out. So I just I did a quick I did a real quick Google like a little research real quick. Apparently, Kevin Williamson, when he wrote this script, also to get people to buy it, sold with it the two five-page outlines for the two sequels. So there's no way they cast Cotton Weary with Liev Schreiber without saying, you're going to be a big part of the other two movies. That's Or at least a big part of the second movie. That's really cool. I would love to see those five-page outlines. Me too. Because I feel like the sequels get a little less into the kind of dissecting of it almost becomes more of a a running gag well it's funny because i have a friend a very dear friend that i used to play softball with 
And he was a writer on the MTV Scream show. Right. And I remember when The Mask came out, and we were all like, ooh, like, that's your ghost face mask for the MTV? It's real bad. It's real bad. I don't think the show is quite as bad, but that is really bad. And the show's set up. It has this, you know, now we're dissecting TV horror and the new uh, younger generation horror, blah, blah, blah. Right. But he told me he was just like, yeah, man, we had a we had a meeting and the producers had a meeting and the writers and they're like, yeah, that Ghostface mask is dead. Scary movie came in and stole Ghostface mask. And they're like, it's more recognized or at least equally recognizable to the scary movie series, which has four or five of those as it is to the Scream series. And that I thought was really interesting, baffling because I, I had forgotten. But the scary movies were also really popular with me in this era. And so you have this meta dissection of a horror movie that then gets a parody of the dissection of horror movies. <laughs> and it was also really funny right. and kind of spot on, right? Because well, it's almost the same as Scream, but without the love letter part. And now right. it's just a joke. Well, and then as you get into the sequels of Scream, like two and three, and I think four as well, if I don't. Maybe uh, my memory's a little fuzzy on four, but like if, if particularly Four's a little more hardcore, yeah. Particularly two and three go double meta because not only is there a movie about the Scream movie, like the Woodsboro Murders, part three is the Hollywood one, right? Yeah. Well, part three, yeah, part three is the one that takes place in L.A. <laughs> so part three is the one that happens. They're shooting a movie about Scream two, and then. The beginning of Scream 2 is them at the premiere of the movie based on what happens in the events of Scream. Like it's it gets so multi-layered that yeah. you're like again, like the mind fairly boggles at one point. You're like, I, I don't know how many more layers I can go here. Because again, it's it, it's not complicated. And but that is where I feel like you might have missed Scream 4 because that is where Scream 4 came in and did an awesome no, hard scream reset. no scream 4 did a great like hard reboot and like got yeah much darker much much like i actually scream 4 kicks ass yeah it's really good i really really love scream 4 and i don't think it gets yeah. enough love because that and the, i think that's one of the things about scream not to like we won't do our whole waxing poetic on the scream series in part one right but i just think I think some movies get involved in this. It has to be extra scary, which sometimes just devolves into grosser kills and this and that. Yeah. The screen movies are always very on point with their characters. Yes. And the characters are what get us through, right? In all good horror movies, you have to be somewhat bonded to and latched on to these people. Otherwise, you don't care that they get totally. killed. And in a movie that's constantly reminding you it's a movie and telling you there's no tension because we know what's coming, it is constantly funny constantly surprising and you do really truly again i would argue sid prescott is the second best final girl in movie history i wouldn't disagree and I'm sure i'm forgetting something that someone's gonna fucking throw in my face because it's always hard when you start doing that list but i was just like other like i think laurie strode is inarguably number one right but i think sid is right there I think she I think is she too. Really is she is she's good because she makes it real. I think that's the thing that I. Yeah, let's do this. We haven't really touched on this. Why? Why was Nev Campbell the absolute right choice for this movie? I mean, for Scream in general, I think Nev Campbell's the right choice because at the time, Party of Five was out. But 
That's uh, <laughs> but I mean, they could have gone with some unknown. They could have sure. gotten a movie actor. I mean, to me, Nev Campbell is the right choice because she feels real. I think that's the yeah. thing that's always been the prevailing factor for me through all screen movies is that I never feel like Sidney Prescott's in on it. I feel like yeah. Sidney Prescott is constantly being fucked with. And there's always like, I mean, obviously Scream 3 and 4 for that matter, like more so. But those are the things that I always come back to. And the thing that I love the most about Sidney Prescott is that she and the way Nev Campbell portrays her is like she always feels she always feel I always feel like she's in the moment. Everyone else could be like one step ahead, three steps behind, whatever. She's the one we're always having to live with in the moment. And I think that's yeah. the reason she's so valuable as a final girl. Well, just imagine what she goes through in this movie, right? Her right. mom gets brutally murdered. And then as soon as her mom gets murdered, everyone's pretty much. Oh, yeah, she was just a whore, like slut shaming yeah. her dead mom. Yeah. Right. Then she's on the stand sending a man to jail with her testimony, essentially, because she's hurt and believes that her mom is not what everyone says she is. It's this weird circle. Then her friend died. <laughs> they don't really say Drew Barrymore is her friend, per se. But a high school student dies, right? There's that really great scene where she's just looking at an empty desk. That scene is very powerful to everyone who's ever seen this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now she's got this reporter writing books and dogging her down. The, the guy's attacking her. This is a lot. Like, Sydney yeah. goes through I think a lot. Laurie Strode essentially goes to school, wants a date, and then... Oh, boogeyman, right? right? And that's all we really know in the first movie. Sydney probably goes through the absolute most in a part one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is Sydney. Every time we catch up with Sydney in these movies, she's, again, the, the value is she's always having to react. She's always, like, that's the thing I like the most about, I think, Scream 3 is that her reaction is very different because, again, they don't just write her again to say like, oh, well, she forgot about her life in Woodsboro in a college. Nothing bad will ever happen to her again. Like she's now not just uh, not just like, actively trying to prevent other trauma from happening to other people, but she is so traumatized by part three that she literally is like a shut in. I think that's the thing that I like the most is like she grows with the movies. She changes yeah. with the movies and she makes it she makes it worth watching. And that's like really it's all, funny that's too the, because the even as a main girl, right? They never lock her into prep jock. Like they don't do the Breakfast Club like lineup, right? No, she just feels like real high school people I knew at that age. And again, I was not a high school kid when this came out. I was twelve and looking for what I thought would be my cool, awesome high school years in the nineties, right? Finding my fashions and like you know this. When I saw Nev Campbell, you're like, that was my oh, that's what a really cool, smart, with it high school girl is. She became this this almost new archetype that did not exist in a lot of slashers of normal girl, right? And right. I think, again, Jamie Lee Curtis was excellent at that in Halloween and even Prom Night, with they, which they uh, mentioned, right? Right. Jamie Lee Curtis is this really awesome, just I march to the beat of my own drum uh, high school girl. And I think that is what Nev Campbell did so well because it – when it starts off and she's in that really weird floral like bedtime gown and she's flashing her tits, you're like, all right, there's something extra going on with her. You could just feel immediately that there was an extra extra level of cool and with it. Yeah. 
I don't again, I don't think these movies work without her, right? No. I think she is the glue of the Scream series. I think she is too, and I think moving forward, I think that's the thing that I loved the most. That's the thing I liked most about Scream Four is again her being in it. I didn't realize until we until until we until we started rewatching these, I didn't realize how important she is to these movies and how important she is to keeping them going forward. You know so. what's because I remember like oh she was just in them because she was cast in the first one. When you really start rewatching, it's just so clear how iconic she is in our minds mm-hmm. without thinking about it enough. Yeah, like I watched and I was immediately like oh Sydney, my friend, I'm here. Like I'm excited to do this with her. And you see kind of the starts of that it's it's awesome. It's great. She really, really was the right, the perfect person. Totally. Is there anything else we didn't cover? I mean, honestly, the first one is just, just send us out. Just send us out. What? Yeah. Is, what is your summation of the uh, the magic that is Scream? I mean, the first Scream movie for me is such an amazing feat of intelligent filmmaking great writing amazing cast like the convalescence of magic that turns this movie into a like this movie in the hands of another director is a really fucking bad movie like (laughs) this this movie in the hands of anybody else really besides Wes Craven who is one of the you know was one of the all-time greats at that point and still still we went, you know, went out, went out, went out on top, you know, all time legend. Yes. I think that that is what makes like this movie so fascinating is to be directed by someone who propelled this genre. Only someone yeah. with the knowledge that he had could make this movie work on the what three levels it has to, which is meta, <laughs> which is meta narrative, actual narrative and post narrative where we're like kind of not acknowledge like we're all like sitting there acknowledging like we're all ingesting this knowledge of the movie itself and also sort of just going like i know what's coming i don't even know why i'm even like shocked by this and then it happens you're like oh my god it is them like it's it's amazing it's amazing yeah. that it works in, in that i think that knowledge of his is just kind of thrown in and really interest the fact that you know prom night is a movie he starts talking about right Really good pull, right? Again, Jamie Lee Curtis, he's helping that build that Sydney connection. Totally. Uh, one of the scenes that's great is that Matthew Lillard doesn't die, per se, but his final shot is Sid smashing a TV onto his face while Laurie Strode is on the fucking screen. So awesome. Awesome. There is a little horror trivia thrown throughout. One of the best lines is... Uh, when Drew Barrymore all of a sudden becoming a horror critic is like, uh, yeah, you know, the first night around Elm Street was really good and scary. The rest of them fucking sucked. I thought that was great. Wes Craven got another fu- Like, I'll fucking destroy my own uh, franchise I create. So even beyond that, though, right, I think this is one of those lightning strike moment. The casting director, who I'm ashamed to say I don't know the name off the top of my head, absolutely deserves so much credit for this film. Um, absolutely the right cast for this kind of a project. I think Nev Campbell became this absolute powerhouse of a final girl, which we needed again, as a guy who loved horror movies. And at this time I was already ingesting them is absolutely fast as I could. This felt, this felt like a time when we needed something like this, but it felt 
fresh and exciting, but it was a love letter to all the things I liked. So it, while it is a dissection and a lampoon in a way, it never felt hateful. No. It I, wasn't telling me this is the better version that you should like no, and everything else you like I think that's like the sucks. most important thing about Scream is it does not stray into parody. It always yeah. is about itself. It, it focuses on its own narrative while referencing all the other things that came before it. And yes. that's what makes Scream unique to the parody genre, so to speak. Yeah, and I think what's really cool about Scream is I think if you polled people who watched it, I think a lot of non-horror fans, this was probably one of the ones that brought them in. Agreed. Because of that, it becomes accessible to non-hardcore horror people, which I think is also a, a great feat to pull off. So to me, this movie really doesn't have a flaw. It, it pretty much works on every level. And the very few little things that should be flaws are brilliantly wrapped up in this art, this defensive armor that the movie creates for itself. It's great. So I, I think Scream is an all-timer. It has clearly become insanely iconic in pop culture. Uh, Ghostface is up there with the best of them, despite being very, very different than the rest of them. So, guys, thank you so much for uh, talking uh, Scream with us. We will be back tomorrow with Scream 2. Uh, this is it, guys. This is the start of October. Every fucking day. We've got series on series. And, of course, as you know by now, the big one this month is the entire Halloween franchise. Good load. Good load. That's a lot of movies. But we're going to get there. Uh, again, go back and find Candyman, which just dropped so much horror. Uh, if you're like us, October is a month of full-on celebration. And we are glad that you've decided to join us for it. Uh, please leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts app. Find us on social media. Hit us up. Uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, what did, what did I say? Filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Good Lord. I, you stabbed me too deep, Alex. I'm, I'm getting fake. Get a little yeah, woozy. Let here. us know. Yeah, movies you'd like to hear us talk about, guests, all of that good stuff, themes for a month. Uh, and as always, go to the YouTube, cha uh, YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. We will be back tomorrow and every day this month for the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino.